The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Uh, what were you saying, Eric? That Not- we're coming to you live in mono. Not stereo this week. Well, that depends on what kind of headset you have, really. And who your quarterback is. J-E-T. No, not finishing that. Hi, everybody. Hi, Dr. Okay, that's going to get us sued. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you're listening, and welcome to the kickoff here on the W2M Network. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me, as per usual, the executive producer turned co-host, Eric Watkins. All of this news breaking and Bisco screwing off my opener that I was in a headspace about pregnant women. Yeah, it's one of those days. I feel like you being in a headspace about pregnant women is pretty much status quo, though. Look, it's not my fault that when I see certain documentaries or watch certain very reputable news networks, I see anchors like Katie Turr and Caroline Hyde, and then all of a sudden my brain goes into different places. That is not entirely my fault, I don't think. Jason, Jason, do you want the honors here? Do you use them as like a teeter-totter? Or why did I ask? Or you just like, you know, pretend they're a camera. Family show! (laughs) Might be the earliest we've ever gotten to one of those on this podcast. The other voice you just heard driving me half up a goddamn wall was Jason Teasley making his triumphant return. Uh, yeah, I miss you guys. Well, not really, but kind of. If it, if it makes you feel any better, the feel, the feeling's kind of mutual. We kind of missed you as well, but not really. Besides, we know you were on assignment covering the whole situation with the bomb threat and the Alabama kid facing 20 years, so... You were doing good work for the kickoff. Speaking of on assignment, Brandon, speaking of on assignment, Brandon Biscabing once again finds himself on assignment. I do believe he has to go to check on the status of Sam Darno. I'm not sure how that works out. Hey, you guess what? Sam Darno had mono, and mono means one, and that was his QB rating this week. <laughs> And to the executive the producers over at ESPN who thought that this was the game that they wanted for Monday Night Football, you're fired. I see ghosts. Look, it, it, don't fire them for picking that game for Monday Night Football. Fire them for picking that game for Monday Night Football and having him mic'd up. Well, it's okay, because I, I got a funny feeling the Jets are going to stop that from ever happening again in reference to the Jason line there a few seconds ago. There's a big controversy coming out about that whole icy ghost thing. All right, let's get to it. We start the show how we always do. This is Studs and Duds. Since Brandon's not here, I'll go ahead and announce his at the start real quick. His stud for the week was Minnesota who defeated Detroit to take over sole possession of second place in the NFC North. They sit just a game behind the 5-1 and one Green Bay Packers. Speaking of the Green Bay Packers, Segway! Yeah, um, let's talk about the Green Bay Packers and their amazing quarterback who had something that 
is also going to segue into a, a later segment who, where Aaron Rodgers had a perfect QB rating and threw for 429 yards, five touchdowns, and he had six, he, hell, he even had six yards rushing and a touchdown. So a grand total of six touchdowns of 429 yards. When he bitch smacked the damn Oakland Raiders on his way to leading the Packers to a 42-24 victory. That's actually something important worth mentioning there. You mentioned the final score, 42-24. to Five touchdowns passing and one rushing for Aaron Rodgers, which means he was responsible for all six of Green Bay scores. And an addendum perfect passer rating of 158.3. Yes, there is a difference between passer rating and QBR. As we had this conversation in the group chat during the week, once again, the football encyclopedia, Eric Watkins, smartening me up on the situation. Speaking Hashtag of Eric. Squid bits. Well, I got one that I gave you for a little bit later that we'll get to here in a bit. But for now, let's focus on your stud for the week, Eric. Think back. 1982. The British Parliament was sitting on a Saturday dealing with the troubles of the Falkland Island War. And there was a little team from a non-football school in Northwestern. What did they do? They pulled off the biggest upset as 32-point underdogs in Big Ten history. Fast forward. British Parliament, again, sitting on a Saturday for Brexit. And a little team that I had faith in from another non-football school in Illinois. What did they do? On a last-second kick, led under the mighty charge of the Santa Claus-bearded Lovey Smith himself on their home turf at the gun, gets the game winner, and defeats those lactose-intolerant sons of bitches in Wisconsin as a 30-and-a-half-point underdog, the biggest upset since the mighty Wildcats. For you, Illinois, for doing my heart good, for redeeming yourselves in my eyes, you fighting a line eye are all my studs. Great work, man. Great work. In fairness, Lovey Smith had a much better week than the, than his former NFL team did this week. Oh, you damn right he did. Because Chicago kind of got it put on them by Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Again, false bisky. Simple as that. My stud for the week is similar to Eric's. Not the same conference, but the same style of format here. A heavily ranked favorite on the road goes down. And the group of five scrambles as Boise State gets bounced from the ranks of the undefeated by those fighting Mormons from Brigham Young University. Well, apparently there ain't much else to do in Utah except play football. And BYU came to play this past Saturday in primetime action, late primetime action at that, 28-25, to 25, holding off the Broncos after jumping out to a 28-10 to 10 lead at one point here. Uh, Eric, we talked about SMU and Temple last week. I predicted SMU. You, our Temple was my, up, was my upset pick for the week. You said I was wrong. You were clearly correct. Temple mm-hmm. got Temple got it put on them by SMU 45-21. to 21. And we had a bit of a discussion inside of the group chat about this week. Let's take that discussion real quick to the show format here. 
buy or sell real quick. A bonus question. <clears throat> the winner of Cincinnati SMU in the American Athletic Probable Conference Championship game is the group of five representative in the New Year's Six. I'm definitely going to buy, especially if SMU keeps going on this pace and runs the table. Whereas with Cincinnati, they would, if again they went out, they would only have their one loss to Ohio State and lose and beating SMU in the process. Yeah, they are the best shot because I think the Mountain West is wrecked. Jason, buy or sell. Cincinnati SMU for the American Athletic determines the group of five bid. Oh, I, I would buy that, and I want to buy it as SMU taking that bid. I mean, um, Cincinnati would have a, a very hard uphill battle, but I think if SMU wins out, there that's an easy pick in my book to be a representative. The thing with SMU, though, is they still have two very difficult games to play, and both of their difficult games to play in their own division in the American Athletic are on the road. They go to Memphis, they go to Navy, neither of which are easy places to win. So we'll have to see what happens with the Mustangs. Let's move over to the dud side of things. Brandon's dud was the Buffalo Bills offense for the first three quarters of the game against Miami. It is, as I said in the group chat, Fuck it. Win ugly. And that's exactly what we did. I also mentioned that the Bills are a second-half team. And in that second half, the Bills outscored the Dolphins 22-7 to in order to pick up a 31-21 victory and move to 5-1 and in the NFL. Meanwhile, Brandon, congratulations on losing to a fucking rookie. <laughs> Speaking of five, dot, 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 hashtag tease. <laughs> hey. Eric, dud. Okay, now, everybody knows the basic idea of a shovel pass, right? Oh, God. You you go ahead, you just drop back a little bit, and you just flip it forward a couple of yards to your teammate. Um, Arkansas punter Sam Loy, he didn't get that memo when, in trying a fake punt, no problems there. He did the most against the brand move when in trying to flip it, it's almost like he pushed the ball forward like you're playing four square and the ball landed in one of three nearby Auburn players. Combine that. Bro, that was a, bro, that was a straight up step pass. He put that's, one foot in front of the other and thrust four. That's all he did. That, that, that was just a pile of no. Just no. Sam, why? Why? Yeah, you're pretty much my dud almost for eternity for that one. Just, ugh. <laughs> if, if it makes the Arkansas fan amongst us here at the network feel any better, it's not like it made that big of a difference in the final outcome of the game. The Razorbacks got wrecked by the Tigers 51-10. to 10. Jason, dud. Um, you know how I said Aaron Rodgers had an a amazing game, you know, that we'd be talking about, you know, uh, a, one of the worst uh, – QBRs in the um, National Football League. Yeah, my mm-hmm. dad comes to you from Monday Night Football where you seen Sam Darnold that came to you in Mono 
instead of stereo with his QBR of 1.67 with a, and see if I did a fantasy football show with a certain person that tends to be a chair or his fantasy rating was negative 0.7. Oh. So uh, he threw for, he threw for 86 total yards, uh, four interceptions, one sack and a fumble. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Sam Darnold, dude, um, you, you are the epitome of what a dad is on this show. I mean, uh, how, I mean, the Patriots D is good. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. They are a good defense, but they're not that damn good. I mean, you came off of, you, you came off a, a very impressive performance against Dallas. You you was ready to take that next step. People were taking you serious, and then you showed your, your true colors. And what you've seen were not actual ghosts; those were Patriot defenders. Now, to put that QB rating in perspective, the scale goes from zero to a hundred. Fifty is about average. If you were to take the ball. Spike it into the ground. I saw this stat. Every single play throughout the game, <laughs> your QBR would be 39. Average is 50, so not far off. 39. You have less than a two. That takes something. That, that takes some skill. I mean... Can I can I, can have, I pile on here real quick? Because that's kind of what we do on this show. We pile on. Cold hey Jets, word. Jets fans. Um, y'all picked before us in the draft two years ago. Josh Allen was still on the board then. How's that working out for you? Next. Oh, so I mean, I wonder how bad the. I mean, just going to throw this out there. Um, Donald was taken before Rosen, who I find to be a pretty serviceable quarterback if given a, a decent team around him. Could and be. Josh Allen. But yet you selected Darnold. And the scary part is the chair actually warned people while Darnold was at USC. Brandon actually warned somebody? No. <laughs> The real tear. No, we don't talk about him in a positive light on that sh- this show, Eric. That, that I, doesn't happen. I don't want to. But Stop I the tape. Rewind. Erase. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, though. Shall we continue with duds and officiating crews? Because that seems to be a recurring theme on the show this year. After something that I've heard in the world of baseball, it's a recurring theme everywhere. Okay, so you know how a lot of stadiums during the course of games play songs and stuff in order to get the fans more into the game, in order to hype up their players and stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, throughout the course of the Coastal Carolina-Georgia Southern game, because if you're really that into betting, you need to see a psychiatrist that you're going to Coastal Carolina and Georgia Southern. Hey, now, I can stop whenever I want, damn it. Ooh, <laughs> look at this line. 
<laughs> Sunbelt sun action aplenty over there, I tell you what. I don't know the name of the song. It's a modern rap song. It's one of those like jump. It's like one of those hype songs, kind of like Move Bitch by Ludacris was a couple of years ago. Doesn't narrow it down too much nowadays. <laughs> well, either way, it's probably one of those like Fetty Wap or Migos or whatever bullshit anthems it was. But anyway, as, as the late great Kurt Hennig once said, rap is crap. Anywho, back to my point here. One of those stadium anthems started playing. And both sidelines got hyped up by the song coming on. And both of them started dancing around their respective sidelines. To which the officials decided that nobody was going to have any fun and threw flags on every single player on both teams. Uh, I have to look this up. Causing four different ejections for unsportsmanlike conducts. You know, that was the second time that I've heard of a flag on every single player. Didn't it happen in uh, Texas and Oklahoma as well? Right before kickoff, as the mm -hmm. two teams got together, yes. Well, in this instance, it actually led to ejections because there were a couple of people who were sitting on previous personal fouls mm. over a fucking dance-off. Right, you said this was the who... The Georgia, so Coastal Georgia Southern, and Georgia Southern. I gotta look this up. Hashtag, hashtag no fun build. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well done, Eric. Well played. Thank, hey, well, you um, it right there. <laughs> well, yes, let's let's see this. Georgia Southern had a freshman offensive line die, lineman die after this game. <laughs> So that's who you were talking about. No, that wasn't who he was talking about. I'm assuming the reference he was making was something wrestling related. No, Georgia Southern freshman offensive lineman Jordan Wiggins dies at age 18 two days ago. Well, that's not good. But that wasn't what I was referring to specifically. But yeah, man. So that, that's did, he dance, did he dance his ass off? Apparently so. To the referees that flagged them for doing so, you are my duds. <laughs> Um, why? I, I just Fucking what? I don't. Whatever. All right, let's move on. So that happened. Um, we've kind of gone into graphic detail about this before with everything that happened in in uh, California in regards to the pay in regards to the pay to play bill that was recently passed out there with student athletes being allowed to profit off of their likeness now. Wait and a minute. Graphic detail. What? Har har har, Eric. We discussed the pay-to-play in its entirety the last time we brought it up here. Well, apparently the idea behind pay-to-play has resurfaced now that a second state has gone ahead and approved it as well with Florida. And we have some major NCAA players in Florida, Gators, Seminoles, Hurricanes, and to a lesser extent, teams like Florida Atlantic, teams like Florida International, teams like South Florida, Central Florida. There are some major players down there and some major athletes that could stand to benefit from their likeness here. So my question to you guys real quick here, and this, is, this was Brandon, so that happened. Um, now that Florida has followed suit here, how long until more states start to take the opportunity to do so as well? And what state do you think will be next? We talked about New York previously because New York had something similar going through legislature when we discussed the thing with California. Will New York be the next to approve pay-to-play? And what other states do, do, 
What other states would you see potentially passing this bill, thus posing it as a bigger problem for the NCAA? Eric? Personally, while I do like New York really stepping up, I don't think their model is the most effective. But the one state that I really do see jumping on the bandwagon, especially since they've had a history of doing it before, is arguably the most football crazy state in the country, Texas. I fully agree with that. Lest we forget everything that happened with SMU throughout the majority of the 80s. And that was a whole thing. That administration, it went all the way up to the then governor of Texas that went so deep. Now you get to the point to where with other states trying to find ways to make it to where you can do it and it's legal, Texas would be ready to pounce. Keep those millions in-house. Okay, I want to pose this question. With Florida and potentially Texas and California being three of the bigger football-related schools, what happens to recruiting? Because that is a um, Florida is a hotbed for recruits. Mm-hmm. If a kid can go stay in Florida and get paid, does that sway him to not yes. go to another school? Absolutely. And, yes. and that and, actually it ties me into my pick for the next state that'll pass this legislation, but I don't think it'll be football related. You think it's going to be basketball? I do. And would you like to take a guess on the state? North Kansas. Carolina? North Carolina, home of the Tar Heels and the Blue Devils. Absolutely. I could see that, but you know, I, I could see I could see it going from a basketball perspective and saying North Carolina, but I have to agree with Eric. Uh, I think it's going to be Texas because, I mean, once you see once you see uh, if you see Texas fall, I mean, you're going. I mean, other states are going to have to do it just so their collegiate prog- programs can be competitive. Because why would you leave somewhere like Texas, Florida, or California where you can get paid to go to somewhere like like a Syracuse, a West Virginia, um, a Duke, Oklahoma? See, I, I would mean, talk – I would – real quick here. I'm, I'm sorry, but you mentioned other states that you could go to. Under that line of thinking, you know, another state football-wise that would make the most sense. I mean, they're back at they're they're bass backwards on most of the rest of their legislation. But another state that would probably jump on this football wise would have to be Alabama for Alabama and Auburn, right? But the the only difference is with Alabama, you've only got those two options, Alabama and Auburn. So while those schools would do a lot of recruiting, those students, even though they would be getting paid. You would then have issues with the transfer portal because, let's face it, you get to a point where you're recruiting so much, those guys aren't going to get playing time. Look at the number of schools you have in California. Look at the number of schools you have in Florida. Look at the number of schools you have in Texas. The three of those could form their own conferences just by themselves. That's a fair, fair assessment. Yeah, if you're saying, oh, well, if I'm going to get paid and I'm going to get playing time, 
there you go. And what's what's that do to conferences? I mean, if like Eric just said, I mean, if you take the schools in California, Texas, and Florida, and they decided they wanted to form two conferences between those three states with all the schools there and all the talent that comes through those three states, the whole conference system would would collapse. I would have to think that other con- that other power conferences, other power states that have teams in power conferences would have to make the adjustment as well. Um, out west, you would be looking at like a Washington and an Oregon. And God forbid Oregon be allowed to start spending money with their money with Phil Knight that they have. And, but you know another potentially dangerous state? I mean, yeah, I know it's a little bit cliche and a little old school for thinking about this, but Nevada. If you're mentioning yeah, Oregon and Nike, you've got to mention Nevada and Vegas. Yeah, I mean, there, UNLV becomes a hotbed of talent. See, I don't think UNLV's program is good enough right now in order to justify that. They would have to be able to build up the program in order to get people to want to come there. But it would only take one year. Exactly. And if you you don't even have to snipe talent from California. Look at schools like Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. Look at your schools and your talent in neighboring Arizona. And then all kinds of the Phoenix, Tempe, and that Tri-Series area are just alone. You can get that enough. And then, like Jason said, one, two years, flashy enough when you're saying, hey, Raiders play here too, et cetera, et cetera. You're building that different kind of branding, and that can take off, and you're right in there with them. And you look at that, uh, you get, and, and the fact that gambling's legal, mm-hmm. sports books are legal, you're going to be able to uh, go tenfold yeah. on what money is available to you. See, I would have to think, though, that there would be some kind of stepping in to keep sports books from getting involved with the pay to play. I, I would <laughs> just have to think from. I Do would you just think have to think. Sports books are out, out of. You don't think sports betting has the impact on collegiate and professional sports as it is? I don't disagree with that. At the same time, though, I think they would have to have some kind of proper setting in order to keep sports books from having any kind of official ramifications. What's done in the dark eventually comes to light. But if it's done in the dark, then not enough people will care. If you outright have casinos biasing players towards going towards one school or another, then that's going to raise red flags as far as what kind of other operations it's said casinos are involved with as well. Yeah, it's still Vegas. I mean, if hell. You, if you funnel the money through private um, donations as uh, donors and everything, you're, you're going to be able I mean, have you never watched the program? That was a little that – was, that was basically Boston College, and we've seen what they've done. Well, yeah, you all go all the way back to the 1950s, CCNY, Boston College with the Mafia in the late 70s, Arizona State and the basketball player with the campus bookie back in 1994. I mean, let's be real here. Plus, like Jason just said, why would the casino really do the dirty work when they can just lean on boosters who may or may not happen to become whales for the casino? 
Everybody can find a way to win. I mean, as long the the money could be laundered many different ways. You could have a you could have a casino. I mean, hypothetically, let's just look at it like this: we us three are nobody. Mm-hmm. A casino, a, three casinos could pick us up and be like, "Look, we're going to we're going to back you on everything you do. Only thing we're going to do, you're going to be our. We're going to make you a C." just give you a title of CFO of some imaginary corporation that we have. You're going to become a booster for this school. You're going to influence, th- we're going to influence that school through the money we're laundering through you. And we're going to back you. You're just going to be the front man. We, we get a cut. We have our title, shell company and everything. And off we go. I have said many times before on this show, and I will say it again: I can be bought. Let's move. Let's move on here because we do have some other stuff to get through, and so that happened here. Eric, you're up. <clears throat> now, see, I had a whole bunch of awesome stories fall in my lap again: Jalen Ramsey versus Golden Tate, Michael Bennett being a cowboy now gone from the Patriots. But the, I'm not going to let the universe do it to me this time. There was one game where something happened that we saw for the first time ever. And damn it, I'm going to stick with it. North Carolina and Virginia Tech. Yes, I am being an ACC homer, but it's important. There's such a thing as 60 minutes isn't enough. So there's overtime. And we know how college football overtime works. Essentially, each team's have a shot until somebody wins. But for the first time ever, we saw the new wrinkle. The NCAA put in, for the sake of player safety, a rule for this year. If a game were to go to a fifth overtime period, not only would there be a mandatory two-minute rest before that period, as there is between the second and third overtime periods, but instead of the traditional lining up first down and 10 on your opponent's 25, you go for two. And you only go for two. So after a litany of touchdowns, field goals, missed field goals, the longest game in ACC history became the first one to where those two-point conversions came into play. If I remember correctly, it was North Carolina that beat Virginia Tech 43-41 in the sixth round. Virginia Tech 43, North Carolina 41 in six overtimes, stopping that final two-point conversion. You know, it's weird just because of how long you see these games going in the past and stuff. My thing is, is does this put an asterisk next towards next to if one of these games goes to like eight overtimes, nine overtimes, and breaks the all-time record in college football? Because I want to say the all-time record for college football games in overtime is seven. It is. It happened twice. Ole Miss, Arkansas, 2001. And then some years player ten, later, Tennessee played in a seven-overtime game. So my question would be is now that they're only going for two after the fifth overtime, would that affect the official rules for, like, the longest game ever, given the fact that those original games still had the first and ten at the opponent's 25? 
something to think about. Should we ever actually cross that line? And I'd be curious to get some historian ideas as far as how that would work as well here. Um, Jason, so that happened. So that happened. Um, you, you think that when a, a team that has a premier, what is thought to be a premier running back, gets you down inside the one-yard line, that it's pretty easy a pretty easy score to lock up a game, correct? Ideally. Ideally. Especially when that running back's Melvin Gordon. Yeah, you would count uh, on him most the of the time. And so when you hit Austin Eckler down, down the seam to get what should have been a touchdown and the refs blew it, uh, and you're inside the one and you run the ball right up the gut and you're Melvin Gordon who has a low center of gravity, has really powerful legs, you would think that he might, you know, try to, you know, jump over the line, extend the ball, because you just got to get the tip of the ball, just the tip. Eric, you know, just the tip. You know, you know all about just the tip. I, you I, get I it played, over the line. I played and, just the tip a few times. Yes. That's all yeah, you Yeah, you just, you just got to get it in there. Just get it in there for a brief second, and it counts. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I, I have a, I'm just waiting on a family show. Um <laughs> Family and, show. And, oh, but the moment you know, was ruined. Damn yeah. it. <laughs> so, no, I can't disappoint. So we, Continue. So when you see this, you, you're inside the one. You got Melvin Gordon. You run, you run it first time. Gets nowhere. You think, well, let's let's go back to that well again. We, we could definitely do this. And he does the exact same thing, makes no effort to get over the line and extend the ball. Instead, fumbles while on the back of another player and loses the game for the Chargers versus the Tennessee Titans. Robert now, Foster, shout out. You're welcome. Now, now to be fair. Real quick, Eric. Real quick, Eric, I just want to say that Josh Allen has better hops than Melvin Gordon does. But, but to be fair, we talk about all he needed was just the tip. There was a little bit of a case of a double premature celebration because the Chargers, leading up to that fumble, had two one-yard touchdown runs reviewed and overturned. Yeah, and, and you know, if if anybody knows about pre premature celebration, it's not me; it's someone else. But you know, <laughs> I, I have had that happen once, and it's never happened. And I explained it's never happened like this before. And I, you know, I was very apologetic for my uh, family show. <laughs> All right, let's my move pre, on. My, my pre my pre celebrations, <laughs> but you know, I mean, the Chargers who. Okay, hold on. Does anybody got does anybody anybody got some barbecue sauce? Because I got to eat some crow. Who I picked to mm-hmm. win the West, mm-hmm. the AFC West. This is not an AFC West winning team. This is a team that looks in disarray. And after the game, did you see the interview with Melvin Gordon? No. He stated. 
I made a mistake. My shenanigans backfired. You'll never see me miss a training camp again. Because when asked if he was in football shape, that was his reply. I made a mistake. My shenanigans backfired, and you'll never see me miss a training camp again. See, that, that's why they keep warning about these shenanigans. you got to know when to do them right. I was just about to say, if anybody, if anybody on the show would know about shenanigans. All right, let's move on. I'm actually going to take things to a much happier note on So That Happened this week. Eric, I'm pretty sure you've seen this story, so you can kind of help me if I miss anything of importance. Okay. Casey O'Brien. Now, pretty much every football fan in the country up until this week would have been like, who the fuck is that? That's old man O'Brien's son. Absolutely. Uh, Mama O'Brien's son as well. Brother to yeah. sister O'Brien. Possibly one or two of the Berenstein Bears if we're going to go under that line of thinking. But anyway. Casey O'Brien is the backup punter for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Apparently such a position exists in college football as backup punter. Among other things, yes. Remember, 85 guys on a team, only 22 or some odd positions. Casey O'Brien got into the game late in the fourth quarter with Minnesota up 27 to nothing and held the ball for the extra point, which was converted. Casey O'Brien then went back to the sideline, embraced by head coach of Minnesota, P.J. Fleck, as both men were in tears. You say there's no crying in football. In this instance, the crying is justified. Casey O'Brien is a four-time cancer survivor and a senior at the University of Minnesota. And this was his first ever in-game action on the team, having survived cancer four different times. You could see as he was going out onto the field that P.J. Fleck was a mess on the sideline. Some things are bigger than football. This is one of them. Well, I mean, my penis is the other. To both Casey O'Brien and PJ Fleck. Well played, gentlemen. And and see, the the thing, especially for Casey O'Brien, not just surviving cancer four times, but being what was arguably, especially as he was playing and developing a pretty good quarterback, he's like, Nah, I really can't do that anymore, so I am going to convert myself to being a holder for extra points and field goals just so I know when I can stay in the game. And for P.J. Fleck, rowing the boat, doing what he did, uh, kudos, major kudos. And Jason, we all know mine's even bigger, so let's not. Because yours is black. Exactly. The views and opinions of Eric Walker <laughs> do not necessarily reflect those of the W2O network. Mine's so small, I gotta shove a finger in my ass. Y'all stay to get out in the morning to kiss. It looks like a fucking button on a, on a fur coat. Family show! That's three for Jason and only one for Eric. You're slacking this week. Never mind. Forget I said that. Do not take that as encouragement. <laughs> do not take that as a challenge. Do not. <laughs> 
abort, 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 abort. As soon as I said it, I regretted it. That's what she said. Anyways, let's move I, on. I've never heard that one. All I've heard is challenge accepted. <laughs> let's let's move on to I've got a question. All right, Jason, you can go first here. Do you want the NFL, the college, or the mixed question? I, I like the NFL questions. That is where my forte lies. All right. Well, we kind of discussed it a little bit in the group chat here. Rumors are coming out once again that Tom Brady wants out of New England at the end of the season, be it retirement or be it moving on to somewhere else in order to prove that he is not a system quarterback. Assuming Brady leaves at the end of this year, it's a two-part question here. A, does Belichick leave as well? B, is that the end of the road for the Patriots dynasty? A, yes. B, yes. Uh, I think that that team goes nowhere without Brady or Belichick. It is a two-pronged system. Uh, It's the perfect system for Brady to be in. I don't care what he says. He is a system quarterback, and it's okay to be a system quarterback when you have that many Super Bowl rings and that much success, and possibly the greatest, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. And you're, you was not highly touted coming out of college. So it doesn't matter what anybody says. I'm not, I don't ride Brady's jock. I, I think he's a great quarterback. I have a lot of respect for him, for what he's done since he's been in the league. But you can only take his success halfway and the other half is Belichick just like you can only take Belichick halfway and the rest is Brady they are a they are peanut butter and jelly of the NFL without one the other other falters it's a fair assessment Eric same questions a uh-huh. does Belichick leave as well b is that the end of the road for the Patriot dynasty if he does a yes I mean Say that the Patriots do win a Super Bowl this year. That would be Brady's seventh. That would be Belichick's ninth ring. Ninth. You are getting into the upper echelon for players, coaches, etc. as far as number of championships won. And to really dig any sort of deeper into those annals, you've got to go into soccer. He's got nothing left to prove. So if he goes, he can finally give the last middle finger to Cleveland, the last middle finger to the Jets, to everybody else, and just be like, I'm out. And if it's the and if he leaves, it absolutely is the end of the world for Patriots. As much as I don't like the man, as much as I think a lot of times he can be a dick, because he is. For a man to not only learn amongst another of the greatest coaches of all time, Bill Parcells, to go through and exploit every rule in the book to gain every kind of advantage and to take quarterbacks like Vinny Testaverde and do, even though it wasn't all well, did surprisingly decent given it was Vinny Testaverde, and to take someone not heralded out of high school, not first team all Big Ten, Splitting time with a man who would do more in baseball at quarterback and be picked 199 out of the NFL draft 
and take him to these heights. We've seen the Patriots without Brady for brief periods of time, and they've been okay because Belichick has been running the show. You're not going to find anybody better. You're not going to find anybody who works harder. You're not going to find anybody with that family background and with his level of IQ, both football and not football, to replicate anywhere close to this kind of success. We've seen this all the time. So once he finally goes off on a drive through into the sunset, it's done. Eric, you get to pick first here. Do you want the college question or the mixed question? I think I'm going to go for the college question because college football has been treating me at least half decent lately. All right. You, you, did you see the title of the question that I put in the group chat? Briefly, and then my phone borked. <laughs> the title of the question is Michigan. I knew this was coming. Jim Harbaugh yeah, has sent out chat. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh has sent out a statement to both current players and families of recruits of players that the rumors of Harbaugh leaving the University of Michigan to go back to the NFL are simply that rumors that are being spread by different programs. Eric, this is a buy or sell question. Yeah, I uh, buy or, cut buy off or sell programs. <laughs> buy or sell. Mm-hmm. If Michigan loses to Notre Dame this week and to Ohio State at the end of the year, it won't matter because Michigan will fire Harbaugh. I'm going to buy simply because, and I'm a Harbaugh guy. I have been, even going back to his days at Stanford, and I didn't really follow him well when he was at UC San Diego, which is in the same conference, the Pioneer League, as the JU Dolphins. But the main argument Michigan has had, not just trying to win championships, which they hadn't for a long time before him, you got to go all the way back to Lloyd Carr, and they're not winning championships with them now. But they would forgive the not winning championships if you beat rivals. And this very question, these very statements that are posed with the Big Ten media days just about every year, but the last couple years in particular, he hasn't beaten a rival. Hasn't fared well against Michigan State. Nothing against Ohio State. And now he gets one crack at Notre Dame. If he doesn't win both, particularly, as they say, uh, that school down south, they're going to find, hmm, find ways and just, no, buy out his contract, do whatever they have to do, and he's gone. And then the great ghost that is Bo Schembechler may celebrate. But two W's and even just the biggest W. Notre Dame, they may not mind as much. But get that big one or you're gone. Buy or sell, Jason. If Michigan loses to Notre Dame and Ohio State, Harbaugh's getting fired at the end of the year. 
I buy that, especially with a certain rumor. I'm pretty sure that I didn't dream this rumor of happening, but I'm pretty sure that there's a high-profile coach name that has started to surface as his possible replacement. And it would be a turncoat move. Uh, someone you're very familiar with, Harry. And oh uh, no, 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 no! Are you referring no. to Urban Meyer? Yes. No, no. no. I haven't heard no. that. I heard, or I heard the potential of Urban Meyer to the Dallas Cowboys. I've also uh, been heard that, especially with the AD search at USC. And I'm contacting Foley from Florida. Foley goes, Urban Meyer follows. Mm, not this with Michigan. I don't think I, he would even do it anyway. I don't, I I don't think, think Meyer would ever coach at Michigan. Hey, money can buy happiness. I don't I disagree think, with that. I think, every, as the million-dollar man always said, everyone has a price. I've also heard the Dallas Cowboy rumor, but on the tail end of that, it was rumored that Michigan is also an outside possibility if they free up that contract that they would be a suitor to go after him. I just that I, would be insane. It would be insane, but it would be fruitless. I mean, granted, the same thing if Brian Kelly finally decides and going and gets a different job with Notre Dame, knowing that he's peaked, I'm sure Urban Meyer would head right to South Bend. I wouldn't deny that. It's the same thing with the situation at USC. But I think with everything with Ohio State and even that commercial where Rob Stone asked, how much would it take you to say the word Michigan? And he says right there, not going to happen. He would be way too much of a villain. And I don't think he has that in him. So what uh, you're saying is he would be a hippa hoppa hippa hoppa hippa hoppa hypocrite? Everybody's got a price. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Money talks. I don't disagree. And to Florida fans, Meyer turned hypocritical once he took the Ohio State job in the first place. Because Meyer, the reason Meyer wanted out of Florida is because he was citing health reasons. He was citing that he needed to be at home with his family. This time, Meyer was burnt out at Ohio State. So I do think Meyer will coach again, but I don't think that he'll coach at Michigan. Mm, we'll no. see what happens, though. And yeah, if it does, and you got to look. What's quick, the, okay, Real go quick. ahead. If it does, then you will have complete and total bragging rights on the show because both me and Eric are calling bullshit here. Yeah. But also, look how look at the controversy when he left Ohio State. He burned some bridges. Mm-hmm. He's, he's already villainized to a point. Why not go full heel? Make, make that money. I don't care. I, 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 I would, I would definitely do anything possible if it meant to provide for my family, and somebody threw enough money at me. I mean, the old adage: twenty dollars is twenty dollars. 
if, if if you you got to make a deal with the devil to keep to do to do what you got to do, and you know if the Cowboys' job is there, but Michigan has a a better deal, you've got that pipeline in Florida already established. Now, now I see, mean, but, but here's the thing, though. The reason why I wouldn't specifically say Michigan, he wouldn't necessarily go full heel. The reason why I do say, and I'm, again, Harry and I are thinking he's going to coach again, just like we said, and I'm putting this on the table, the situation with USC, the situation with the state of California, all those teeny little issues that happened at Florida, all those slightly bigger issues that happened in Ohio State would not be an issue at all. And well, you're basically your former boss, your AD of Florida, you're working for him again, talking about a Florida pipeline, and he's basically making himself look good by bringing you back into the fold? Come on. Well, just the reason I the reason I say about um about with the urban thing there that you mentioned the issues at Ohio State those technically weren't Meyer's issues. Meyer was the coach for the team when it happened, but the issues happened under Jim Tressel. But there were also other issues towards yeah. the end with Ohio State that were under him, separate from Tressel's issues. All right, let's move on here because we could obviously continue talking about this topic for another half an hour, but we do have other parts of the show to get to. Our mixed question, and this is open to either of you to go first here. Um, one of the things that one of the things that uh, the, everybody seemed to enjoy about the the AAF was the sky judge, the fact that there was that one official over overarching that had the opportunity to correct what he felt were glaring and obvious mistakes made on the field by the refereeing crew or she there were female sky judges continue my question to you guys is this based on the way that the officiating has performed in both college and the nfl this year do you think that we will see either the ncaa or the nfl adapt to the sky judge within the next two years i'll take this one i'm actually gonna say yes because you already are using the sky cam, and that's what the sky judge did. You basically had the sky jam, the sky cam just worked a little bit more, and you had the judge sitting up in the box, looking over everything, seeing angles and stuff from the sky cam and everything else, and making that decision. No minimal effect on instant replay, everything. If you've got this technology, if you've got sky cams with these big games and everything else anyway, you're actually not creating much of an additional investment to have this official. Plus, Brad, since you've already got everything to where the referees, especially the NFL, go to the Microsoft Surface, tap an extra button, get the sky judge angle, and that way there can be even further coordination as you enhance it after the first year or two. So, yes, one, if not both, I think are going to adopt the Sky Judge at some point. Jason, you said no. Why? I just think that um, the way things are going, 
and you see how disgruntled referees are now, and they're not wanting to make the right calls. Uh, I'm pretty sure I can't remember the guy's name. One of the referee, one of the head referees, came out and said that he thinks that reviewing just about every play is uh, ridiculous, and he will he refuses to make certain calls because of how frivolous that they're making it and how much more scrutiny they're coming under and how harder it's making their jobs on the field because it's getting too minute and it's slowing down the game even more. I mean, games take like forever now. I mean, there's been, I want to say there's at least a 20 to 25 minute increase of game time. With that being said, I don't think the NFL wants to slow the game down more. They want a more fast-paced, quick, interactive game. And they want to keep this um, referees happy. Because NFL referees are unionized, and they would fight something like that because it's taking more out of... It, it's hampering them doing their job, and it will cause more controversy than anything. One well, here's the question that because the referees union just got a new deal. So if that referee was coming out and saying this, why did he say this a few months ago as they were hammering out the new contract? Because I they did, wanted to get paid. Yeah, I don't think that they took into took into account how tedious and scrutinized they will be with the new uh, pass interference calls because. Yeah, I'm going to say at least a 500% uh, increase in offensive pass interference and uh, reviewable plays. I just think the I, I think the issue for me, and, and then we'll go ahead and move on here because we do have a little bit of show still to get to. I think the biggest issue for me with regards to this is, is I think the vast majority of football fans just want people to get the calls right, and we don't care how it takes long about them. It's going to get to the point where we end up with robotic officiating at this point because we're going to need to have the opportunity to stop such egregious missed calls, costing teams games, costing teams playoff spots, costing teams an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl like what we saw last year. Yeah, I mean, go back to the Super Bowl 100 Wired series from uh, a few years ago. Robotic officials, robotic coaches. Down the road, it's inevitable. Hate to break it to people. Plus, you're talking about slowing down games and having game takes longer. Fine. I would like to think the NFL would already the stuff that they're trying to do and certain things that they're trying to eliminate they're looking into this as far as a counterbalance. All right, let's go ahead and move on here as it's time to go to I'm a Survivor. Eric, congratulations. Yeah, uh, that five we were talking about. Well, I got five on it because I'm pretty we got sure. five on it. Because I'm pretty sure that having faith in your team and you're circling the wagons paid off for me because I'm at five in a row. Now, let's go half on a sack. <laughs> this sumbitch broke our record, Jason. We got to do something about this. I vote lynching. Wait, what? <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> I, I, said, I said, how about lunch? <laughs> I believe he said, Mar I actually think he said Marshawn lynching. 
okay. I was about to say, wait, wait. I don't remember Donald <laughs> Trump walking into the room. Things weren't nearly as orange before. <laughs> I mean, I, I was going to go color purple. Maybe, maybe get back to your roots. <laughs> oh. And here I was about to make an American History X joke, so apparently I got no room to talk. Well, damn it. No, one, no wonder people kept calling me Toby lately. Everything makes sense. Uh, let's, let's get back to where we were going with I'm a Survivor here. Um, exactly, because I think everybody else has left now. Afterwards. The, the three listeners we had have officially finally abandoned us. Brandon is selecting the the. I keep wanting to do that. I did that with Saint, the, the Chargers a couple of weeks ago. I almost called them the St. Louis Rams. Brandon is selecting the LA Rams as his I'm a survivor pick for this week. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I'm assuming they're facing a jobber team. Eric, do you know the Rams are playing? Give me one quick second. I wish it was the Giants because you can oh. go to hell. Fuck you. Hey. Jalen Ramsey versus Golden Tate after what just happened? You I, I, I don't know what happened, so you'll have to fill me in off air. Definitely. The, uh, Rams the, long, the, the long and the short of it is Jalen Ramsey was with Golden Tate's sister. Jalen Ramsey got Golden Tate's sister pregnant. And then Jalen Ramsey dumped Golden Tate's sister for a stripper in Vegas. And is putting up pictures of him and said stripper on the gram. And Tate ain't too happy. Uh, so what you're saying is Tate ain't having it? <laughs> Family show, Eric. All right, let's go on. Brandon's pick is the Rams. They play Cincinnati this week. That seems uh, that's safe enough. That's safe enough, yeah. My pick for the week is Pittsburgh over Miami on Monday Night Football because these Dolphins are fucking garbage. Yeah, it's just it. No, now we're witnessing potentially historic ineptitude. But hey, there's always Fitz Magic, maybe. All right. All right. Do I do I want to do I want to go with do I want to go a segue or not, Harry? I'll let you make the call. I'll let you make the call. Should I go segue or not? I just said segue. Well, the point spread's not not the meets our requirement. Uh for I'm a survivor, no, it's straight up head it's straight up winners. No, no, I'm just saying, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna segue in this and elaborate on why I'm picking this game in our Get it together segment, and I want to take your Buffalo Bills over the Eagles. Oh, so you're changing your pick? Okay, I yeah, and, and because I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with with the segue and elaborate on why I'm taking the Bills. In the I see where you're going with this. Okay, yep, I got you. All right, let's move on. Um, I'm, that leaves just your pick, Eric, and I saved your pick for last for a reason. Yes, because this week's Squid Bit, courtesy of Harry, 
courtesy of Adam, courtesy of Adam Schefter on Twitter. No, I was really debating using this as my "Are you serious?" when I kept seeing the spread. But then, given my certain run and "Are you serious?" I thought I'm gonna jinx this and I'm gonna blow apart my entire argument. The Minnesota Vikings are playing the Washington Redacteds. Kirk Cousins versus Case Keenum. The last time these two teams played each other, it was Kirk Cousins versus Case Keenum. It just happened to be on opposite sidelines. This has happened before, but you've got to travel with me in the Wayback Machine. 1963 and 1964, the Redacteds against the Philadelphia Eagles. Sonny Jurgensen, Norm Van Brocklin's backup, who was very serviceable, he was with the Eagles in 63, went to D.C. in 64, and actually was there long enough all the way through the 1970 season to deliver Vince Lombardi's last great promise. Norm Sneed happened to be on the Redacted, didn't do too well. He went over to the Eagles. Yeah, I don't really like Kirk Cousins. I don't like him at games that do not start at 1 o'clock Eastern. But like I said about other organizations, the Redacted right now are way too chaotic. And I think even with Keenum wanting to get a little bit of revenge, he doesn't have a whole bunch around him. Cousins may be trash in prime time, but I think Washington is even bigger trash overall. So I'm picking Minnesota to win. But don't be surprised if that game is a lot closer than 16. Just saying. Oh, I saw the uh, 16 and a half line on that game, and I'm like, really? Somebody's putting Kirk Cousins as a 16 and a half point favorite in the game? Uh-huh. Are they trying to lose money? Mm-hmm. I'm think- I looked at that, and I'm with Vegas is like, wow, whoa, what? Y'all okay? Just handing out victories. Hmm. All right, we move on to get it together. Eric, you lead us off. You see, there are some crazy things going on in Atlanta right now. I'm not even going to talk about things going on in baseball because I don't want to make Harry mad, especially uh, his team was in a bit of a familiar position like the Nationals are right now back in 96, but I'm not going to bring up the rest of that series. With soccer, you've got Atlanta United cruising into the conference semifinal, trying to make back-to-back MLS Cup final appearances and win the trophy back-to-back. But for football, Arthur Blank, you got everything else going for you in that building. You've got a lovely building. You're going to now turn around and say, oh, Dan Quinn, he's my guy. He's going to do this. Everything's fine, yet you're finally admitting a little bit too late that you're going to go ahead and evaluate the entire coaching staff, knowing kind of what's on the bend and 
how this season has been a total turd. Really, bruh, you know how often I shop at Home Depot. For my sake, you need to sit back, go on the sidelines, and get it together. I mean, come on, pull the trigger already. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we were having a conversation about coaches on the hottest seat, and I actually said that I feel like I feel like Dan Quinn should be the next coach fired with Atlanta sitting at one and six for what should be a respectable football team. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's just as much the ownership's fault as it is the uh, players, the players and the coaching staff's fault if the ownership isn't going to do anything about the fact that they're off to a one and six start this year. That's why I'm pointing the finger at Blank as well. No, completely understand. That is a 100% viable get-it-together. Jason, get-it-together. My get-it-together ties in with my survivor pick uh, by taking the Bills over the Eagles. Uh, Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson, Peterson, um, who was once, two years ago, a highly respected coach and everything. He has slowly dwindled down to being – to the point where a lot of people are questioning if he's losing this team. Reason being, coming off two great wins uh, against Green Bay and the Jets, they're preparing. They prepared for a three uh, stiff three-game challenge, starting off with Minnesota, and they fell flat on their face. Uh, Thirty-eight to by, twenty. Lost by eighteen points. Defense was bad. Offense was just as bad. And, I mean, it was just a lot of mistakes in uh, I, from every direction. That team looked like it was in shambles. Then he goes out and uh, makes a prediction against a, a stumbling Dallas Cowboys team and said that they was going to go in Dallas and win. The first two drives of that game – Proves that that team was in disarray, and Peterson was just—I mean, he—he he was being outcoached by Jason Garrett, and that says a lot. Any, I, I'm pretty sure that you know one of the uh, O'Shea brothers could outcoach Jason Garrett. If anybody gets that reference, kudos. Um, but then you know you go. You go to looking at, like, media coverage and stuff, and what's really interesting is apparently after a game, a lot of people were giving um, generic answers and everything, and then they interviewed Lane Johnson, the right tackle who doesn't shy away from words whatsoever, very outspoken leader of the team. And when they asked what was going on, what was going to happen at the Eagles complex, he said, nah, it's probably just going to be call-out session. Uh, everybody will be held accountable. Little stuff like this. that usually slides during the week, late to practice, late to meeting. Stuff will be held accountable for. As a, as a team leader, you would think that, you know, that holds pretty much weight. But like I said, two years ago, Peterson was getting kudos for being one of the strictest, harshest, tough coaches in the league. But now you hear rumblings that, you know, he's backed off. People are showing up for team meetings late and everything. So 
if this Philadelphia team with all the talent has on it has a chance to may even make the playoffs, Peterson, you got to get it together. I had Philadelphia as one of my wild cards when we did our playoff. Or no, wait, I had Philadelphia winning the East. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Same here. Same so obviously, here. Obviously, I had the Eagles in strong contention to be a contender to win the NFC this year under the assumption that Carson Wentz was back healthy. They actually had a ground game. They actually had something resembling a defense here. But I don't think there is any question that Doug Peterson has lost control of that team. And the absolutely idiotic guarantee about going into Dallas and winning in order to take over the lead in the division is another way to just further divide the team in his support as well. Because there are going to be those on the team that will agree with him, and then there will be those on the team that will feel like he gave Dallas unnecessary bulletin board material. And, I, I, and you know, and this isn't a shot at your team or anything, Harry. Uh, I mean, Buffalo's a respectable 5-1. and one. But if you look, if you laid those rosters down side by side, on paper, as a Bills fan, on paper, would you think that the Bills and the Eagles match up well? I would argue that the, I would argue that almost every major position outside of possibly outside of possibly running back on offense, Philadelphia would have an advantage. I would say our but, defense our, our defense can hang with anybody in the NFL, and I don't think there are a lot of people that will argue that at that point. No, but no, offensively, but, outside of running back, I would say that Philadelphia would have an advantage at every conceivable position. That being said, the man calling the shots on both teams now, Doug Peterson in Philadelphia, Sean McDermott in Buffalo, give me McDermott every day of the week. Oh, yeah, I'll take McDermott over, over that. But – like I said, on paper, you think that this wouldn't even be a close game. You would think the records would be reversed. Agreed. Mm-hmm. But, but, like you said, McDermott has his team believing in him. Peterson does not. Peterson, I, I, I would be surprised if this, if he makes it out of Philadelphia by year's end. I will say this much, because currently Philadelphia sits at three and four. If Philadelphia goes anything less than nine and seven this year, Peterson's probably fired. I mean, I would say yes, but at the same time, it's not like Andy Reid, who didn't bring home a championship. And I think even they did him a little bit wrong. They might give Peterson a little extra time than they should because he brought that Lombardi trophy home. So even at nine and seven, the way that the division's going, who knows? That could potentially win the division. So I think it's going to have to be quite a bit worse, especially with what Carson Wentz is able to do for them to kick Peterson out. Brandon's get it together refers to the Jacksonville Jaguars and specifically their front office over the way that Jalen Ramsey was treated. Eric, you saw the NFL countdown story on Jalen Ramsey. I did not. I was still sleeping. That's what I do. I don't wake up early to watch pregame shows. 
I, but to be fair, I only saw a little bit of it, and I got the bits and pieces, but two? I, que- Go ahead. I, que- I question how reliable Jalen Ramsey is as a source anyway, given what we've just recently had come out about him. Even with that aside, I'm right here kind of in it, and I had other sources in the past in that organization when he was saying about him feeling disrespected and different things going on, I am going to agree with him. I'm I'm going to have to explain a few different things to you off air, but there's stuff that I know and has been confirmed. He's lucky that he was even there and just being disrespected because there are problems in the front office that have been and continue to do so in going very deep. Very deep. Like balls deep? Yeah. Just the tip deep. No, 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 no. This is just... If there was anything even past the balls where you have to worry about, you know, extra suction. Family show. <laughs> no, we, they, they, everybody that's thinks it's a family show has already left. <laughs> the Marshawn lynching pushed them away, huh? <laughs> no. All right. Um, my get it together goes to the wonderful people at Florida State. Eric, it is downright shameful what is happening to that other school in Florida, isn't it? And, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I think it's great if we can take advantage. If we can't, then it's crap. Florida State just lost to Wake Forest. Yes, you heard that sentence correctly, but in case you didn't believe your ears, I'm going to repeat it. Florida State just lost to Wake fucking Forest. Now, I got to give Wake Forest a little bit of a credit. They're an unusually good team this year. The Demon Deacons are 6-1. and and, hey, if you're going to be double deacons, you have to be 6-1. and one. Just saying. Anyway, they're having a much better than average season for the team from Winston-Salem. I will 100% agree with you with that. Uh, no arguments here. That being said, anybody who knows their college football history, who knows where the power in the ACC has traditionally lied, you know that Florida State should not be losing to Wake fucking Forest. Yeah, that one I completely have to agree because Wake Forest, even in the days before the ACC expanded, they were always kind of the whipping boys of the conference. One of them. Them and Duke in football. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. So basically what's going to happen here is this, Florida State. Are you ready? Are you listening to me, board of directors down there? Are you listening to me, athletic director down there? Oh, it doesn't matter if the athletic director is listening because his ass is getting fired too. Board of directors of Florida State, or I believe as they call it down there, the board of regents. Fire Willie Taggart. Fire your athletic director. Stop relying on transfer players that aren't doing anything, a.k.a. Alex Hornibrook. And start finding talent and trying to recruit back in the state again. You guys that are an embarrassment to the state of Florida collegiate football. Get it together. 
Can I just add as an addendum, can you do all of those things except the recruiting at the end of the season, please? But the recruiting just don't bother. You're good. You're okay. Thank keep you. Keep sucking. In other words, coming from a Miami Hurricane fan, keep sucking. Damn right. Besides, <laughs> I need hollow victories at this point. We're an underdog to Pittsburgh. Well, in, fair, in fairness, Eric, y'all did just get your asses handed to you by the rambling wreck. Did you have? Did you really have to bring that up? Yes. I thought we were good. I, I, well, you bring up Washington Nationals World Series matchups. I bring up rambling wreck from Georgia Tech. I just, I intentionally said I wasn't going to mention what happened. The fact that they were one of only three teams to be up 2-0 on the road and happen to lose the World Series. Which the Astros are down 2 and losing at home. I wasn't going to say that at all. No, no, Fucking no, no, no. <laughs> Fucking Yankees. I was so happy when Correa walked them off on in game six. Or not Correa, Jose Altuve. Speaking of which, did you see that their, their, their uh, assistant general manager <coughs> got fired over yelling at the reporters? Yeah, about Osuna. That... That and then an umpire during saying something or texting something during game two. I was getting caught up on that before we came on air. Uh, baseball, get it together as well. All right, that's going to wrap up Get It Together for this week. And uh, now, uh, now on next week's episode of First Pitch. Anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I'd be totally okay with doing a baseball podcast, but it would bleed into football season, and I think our football podcast takes <laughs> True. All right. Let's go ahead and move into our football predictions here. Um, real quick, before we get into the RU series picks, I actually have a little bit of a programming note for everybody. Not next week's episode, because next week's episode will be week nine of the kickoff. This is episode eight, by the way. I forgot to mention that at the start of the show. Oops. Whatever. Anyway, next week's episode of the kickoff is week nine it'll be the ninth week of the nfl season therefore we dub it week nine because we didn't actually do one for week zero of college football week 10 so in two weeks time so not the next episode but the one after that the kickoff will be abandoning its traditional format there will be no i've got a question that week there will be no get it together that week there will be no so that happened that week. Instead, the kickoff will start out with studs and duds, I'm a survivor, and are you serious predictions, and then the kickoff will go to its first half awards ceremony, where we pick our rookie of the year, our MVP, our coach of the year, um, comeback player of the year, if we can find one that qualifies for that respectively, our most surprising moment, our team, our most disappointing team. In addition, we will update our postseason predictions for the NFL season as well. That will be in two weeks here on the kickoff. All right, Eric, you're up first here. College football. Are you serious? Yeah. Um, given what's recently happened to me in college football and getting, I would say, semi-screwed over, I, I had to go if he very, very careful in who I was picking for this week. But in going through a couple of lines, and as you mentioned, rightfully so, 
about what's going on down in Tallahassee. You're not a big fan. I'm only going to be a big fan if Miami can get it together themselves and take advantage. But there's a team that's coming up there first. A team from New York in Syracuse. Yes, they're a bit mediocre themselves, but believe it or not, they're actually and have been a competent football program the last few seasons, which Florida State really hasn't. So, yeah, Syracuse plus 10, I can see that happening. You think 10's a big number. Jason's got an even bigger one, and one of the 12 undefeated teams left in college football coming crashing to an end. Jason? Uh, yeah, uh, 10 and a half is actually the spread, and it's a seven-point ranking difference when I'm taking the Auburn Tigers over the Bayou Bengals of LSU. Switch to Grand- the game on it. No. I- yes, originally you gave me Maryland. I was then you asked me asked me if I wanted the Tigers. You're right. So I, I did. I asked you Terps or Tigers. You're right. My bad. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah. Despite the fact that I do think that LSU is is a legit team that I don't think I mean personally I don't think any three of us expected LSU to be this this good and to be playing so well. Uh, they came out of nowhere this year and, and started actually having an offense of firepower. But I think that Auburn will be gearing up and wanting to put on something on display prior to them facing off against Bama. And they want to show what they have. And LSU also has a game against Bama coming up, and I think they're going to be looking past Auburn. So I think Auburn keeps it close if if not pulls the upset, which would throw a wrench completely in to the SEC. All right, so you Eric went 10. You're going 10.5. For the biggest line this week, we go to Brandon Biscabing. Hello, guys. My line for this week, I forget the exact line, but I'm going Cal. 21. 21 points. Cal over Utah. Uh, Not sure if Cal will win the game, but I think it will be closer than 21. I just wonder what I'm going to disagree with you, and here's why. (laughs) I didn't know your assignment ended this early. It, it was a relatively quick assignment. It happens. Um, we were actually talking um, by text while we were doing the show here, and he said that he could sneak one long enough to give his prediction. So. Um, here's why I'm going to disagree with you, Bisco. You ready? Okay. California just lost to Oregon State. I don't fair. think I need to say anything else. Fair enough. Fair enough. Shot! Like, Shot! Like I said, <laughs> like I said, I don't think they'll win the game, but I think it'll be closer than 21. Utah looked really good. Didn't you just pick against Utah last week? How'd that work out for you? Wait, was it this week or last week that I I got the You picked the Arizona State against Utah, and Arizona State lost 21-3. to three. Yeah. 
But what was the line on that? I thought it was higher than. It was 15 points, which means oh, you okay. lost and got a negative three scoring point from it as well. I mean, and then of course, you could be extra insane and go ahead and take Maryland and Minnesota instead. <laughs> go ahead and sign that death wish. That was actually originally Jason's pick, Maryland plus 16 and a half against, against uh, Minnesota. Per- further proving that Jason is indeed smarter than he looks. That's not saying much because I'm okay. an ugly motherfucker. Okay, so I'm actually about to reveal something here. There's usually one game every week that one of us jumps on early, and then everybody else on the show tries to jump on. Yeah, you you took the obvious pick this week. I happen to have that game this week. OH, oh no. Wisconsin is going to be pissed off about what happened against Illinois. And I have a funny feeling they're going to try to take it out on the Buckeyes. The Buckeyes are going to have a case of the look-ahead flu themselves. Because guess who they get in two weeks? Penn State for the Big Ten East title. Not only, uh, bold prediction time, not only does Wisconsin cover 13 and a half, don't be surprised if the Badgers win this game outright. I could see it, but it's definitely going to be a close game. That's for sure. I was looking at it and I'm thinking possible, but I honestly think Ohio State, especially because Urban Meyer is back in town, they're going to want to put on a show for him. Speaking uh, of uh, speaking of college football pregame shows, did you guys see that uh, game day is actually going to an FCS game this week? Wow. Yeah, South Dakota State, North Dakota State. They've been at Bison number, games before. Number one versus number three in FCS football. Yeah, good, not, good. Not, not, not the first time. Good to see the real college football game. Some love. Well, Shut hey. the hell up and go take your... Get the hell off the podcast. Hey, so hey, get, hey. It's I liked okay. it more when he was gone. And besides, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they're going to equalize by starting out next season in Dublin. Oh, wait, what, huh? College wait, game day. Know. Yes, college game day for a Notre Dame game. And to start to kick off the 2020 season, they're going to be live from Dublin. Is it going to be uh, Notre Dame versus Boston College? I believe so. Sweet. Bunch of Catholics that nobody cares about. <laughs> anyway. Hey, was... priests, care, priests care about them. Uh, only if they're under 12. Moving on. It's actually Notre Dame and Navy. Oh, wow. I, it would have made more sense if it was now Navy. So, so, it's ca- so it's Catholics and semen. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about acres away. <laughs> the jokes write themselves on the kickoff, ladies and gentlemen. The jokes write. That needs to be that needs to be the title of this show: Catholics and Semen. Hell, is it too late to get that on a shirt? I wonder if I spell it properly: S E A M E N. I think I can get away with that. Oh, definitely. I'm going to have to talk to the powers that be about that one, though. All right, let's move over to the National Football League here. Eric, you're up first. 
Okay. Now, I know there's talk of a certain potentially superhuman quarterback who may be shaking off of what was an ugly-looking injury and coming back and playing. I have highly advised against this. This is not in England when you're playing rugby league and you take a bad tackle and you decide while you're laying on the ground to take your fist and hammer your dislocated knee back into place. We don't do that on this side of the pond. Seriously, though, real quick, Eric, before you go any further to the guy that did that, balls of fucking steel. Again, that's rugby league for you, which should really have a bigger footprint here in the U.S., but that's a topic for another show. Mad kudos, and especially the accuracy. But anyway, we don't do that over here, although sometimes we should. But given the state of things, they may not 100% need that superhuman quarterback to go ahead and make a good showing. They've got Andy Reid, they've got time, they've got weapons, and they've got a serviceable backup. Even though their opponent had a bit of a god week, lightning does not strike twice. Kansas City plus three and a half. Usually the line is four, but it's a primetime game, so I will allow it since originally when you gave me this pick, it was four. You see, you see, people are on it already. Mm-hmm. They know what time it is. Yeah, time for him to sit his ass on the bench so he doesn't get hurt again. Seriously, Andy Reid, a quarterback sneak with an injured quarterback. That, that was kind of a bad look, bro. Even I can't defend that. Brandon, NFL. You serious? Since I didn't get the chance to talk about it myself earlier, um, how the hell do you go down by... How the hell do you go down by five heading into the fourth quarter against the Dolphins, Harry? You lost to a rookie quarterback, bud. I know this. I know this. You almost lost to a winless team. And I think said winless team, especially considering they did serviceable against a team that actually had has only one loss which is shocking considering this. Yes, I know, nobody circles the wagons like the Bills, but... We're a second-half team, like I said in the group chat. It's exactly what happened. But... Shot! With with the line (laughs) being as high as it is, and their opponent being as mediocre as they are, I think the Dolphins can do it again. They won't win. But I think they can cover their spread, which I'm trying to pull up right now. 14. 14 points. I think they can get it to within two touchdowns against the Steelers. So I will I take don't. the Dolphins over the Steelers. I do not want to repeat of one of the times that these two teams played on Monday Night Football. I am not going to sit through that for three and a half hours. I did it then. I'm not going to do it now. Wasn't it like a 3 nothing game? It was a 3 nothing game highlighted by a football that stuck in the ground on a 45-degree angle after a punt. 
that game broke a 20-plus-year-old <laughs> record for the lowest-scoring game in Monday Night Football history, which your Giants happened to be a part of. 7-3 against the San Francisco 49ers in 1990. Mm-hmm. Hashtag double squid bit. No, now, no. Go ahead. Now I'm, now I'm curious. Has there ever been a 2 nothing final in the National Football League game? Yes. Oh, there has been? Yes. I, I feel like you guys, you guys remember that uh, chart thing that used to be a part of Sports Nation or SB Nation? Yeah, 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 yeah. Scorigami? Yes, Scorigami, that's it. Yep. That was always entertaining to watch, just especially when they would explain some of the odder numbers on it. But continue, Eric. Yeah, I, I, there is no way in five hells that people are going to sit through that again. So just pray for Fitz magic in offense. And to answer your question, I knew that there was, there has been five, but there has not been a 2 nothing score line since the Bears beat the Packers back in September of 38. Eric is bringing the fire with the uh, statistics this week, man. I'm telling you. Hashtag triple squid bit. <laughs> yes. All right. So, Jason, you mentioned Philadelphia getting it together. You mentioned with everything that's going on with Doug Peterson there. I think I know another reason that you're kind of hoping that the Bills take out the Eagles this week. And why is that? It has something to do with your Are You Serious prediction. And maybe, to quote the Simpsons, go big or go homer. Uh, yes. My, my, uh, my pick is, uh, I'm taking, which the line has actually dropped. Um, I'm taking the Giants over the Lions. What line are you uh, using? Because I'm looking at six and a half. Earlier when I sent that to you, it was at seven. When I sent that to you, it was at seven on my way home from work, and it's dropped to six and a half in the past three and a half hours. This is this is a Lions team in disarray having lost three straight. At one point being 2-0-1 and, and having the lead in the NFC North. To now being two, three, and one, and the only team sub five hundred in that division. Well, realistically, they should be three, two, mm-hmm. and one. Had with the what rest. happened with the Packers, yes, agreed. Yeah. And I think that's gonna okay. hurt. I think they're still dwelling on that. So I could, I could see this. Well, of course, yeah, you want so. it to happen. Of course, as a fellow Giant man. All right. So yeah, so. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take the Giants uh, with with confidence. You guys thought my college football prediction was risky. I got an even riskier one for the NFL because I'm not only ticking this game, I'm guaranteeing victory here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Five and a half points is the line, even though it's on the road for the team getting five and a half. Kyle Allen and the Carolina Panthers – Knock the San Francisco 49ers from the ranks of the undefeated. I don't if, trust the Panthers enough. I mean, personally, this is going to be the ultimate, although unintended, put-up or shut-up game for Kyle Allen. If he does, and if CMC can have a good game, the Cam Newton era in Carolina is officially dead. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago here on the show when um, 
when Allen rallied them from 0-2 to 3-2, I would make the argument that the Cam Newton era in Carolina is already done and over with now with the way that Kyle Allen has played. You can make the case, but if he can have it as this kind of a game, his game, rather than being CMC-centric as it has been for good chunks of those previous ones. Jason, you didn't really say anything here. What are your thoughts there? Do you think Carolina has a chance against San Francisco on Sunday? Uh, no, I think San Francisco's going to run the table on them. San Francisco's a, a much better team than uh, anybody's given them credit for. And I, th- I think that they're going to show it, and they're going to they're going to show why they're going to be a um, formidable NFC West uh, contender. But I just, I just want to let you know, um, did somebody on this podcast predict the NFC West being the toughest conference and possibly getting three teams into the playoffs? Where's his mute button? I'm just curious. Unfortunately, I, I, if I mute him, I mute all of you guys. Technically, well, I don't. Technically speaking, they don't have three teams in the playoffs right now, Jason, because the two wild card teams are the two wild card teams are Seattle and Minnesota. And I the Rams said they are would kind of on a, a bit of a slide right now, though. Like I like said, I they would get in, three uh, in, and I was laughed at. I was laughed at when I mentioned that they they had the potential to get three teams in the playoffs. I was mocked. I was laughed at. I wasn't here for that, so you ha- you can't include me amongst that that brigade. You, you did it afterwards. I didn't agree with you. But most. You're, you mocking me afterwards hurt my feelings the most, Harry. Well, look at it this way. How many people thought the Niners were going to be as good as they are this year? Seattle I did. And Rams, Seattle I did. And Rams, yeah, I can get no, – nobody thought the Niners were going to be this good. I, I didn't just, think they'd be this good, player. but I figured they'd make a. I think I think I had them in the playoffs. I, I had them. I had them as one of my. I had them as third in the division at my last wild card team. Fun fact: Let's do a quick rundown right now, because since we're discussing playoffs, playoffs, as they stand, as they stand right now. Here we go. You ready? Yep. Yes. In the AFC, the buys to New England, duh, and Baltimore. Mm. Buffalo at Indianapolis. Oh, that'd be interesting. And hold on, I got to remember here. I just saw it. I'm trying to remember who it was. Houston. Yes, Houston at um, Kansas City. Oh, that would be an interesting one. I, I think Kansas City would be in trouble again because of what happened with Tennessee just last year or two years ago. Excuse me. So, so the the two buys would be New England and Baltimore. Oh, that is that is intriguing. That is a that's a that's a tough that's a tough road to hoe right there. I, I think you I think you could see a, a, a AFC title game of. Uh, New England versus Buffalo. Buffalo beating Buffalo beating Indianapolis would not surprise me. 
Because, I mean, let, but let's just face it. We saw what happened the last time Buffalo went in the playoffs against a team from the AFC South. You shut your whore mouth, Watkins. Moving on. <laughs> the game's uh, about to kick off. Let's, let's get over to the NFC real quick, and then we'll wrap this up here. Buys to San Francisco. And on a strength of victory tiebreaker, New Orleans. Oh, really? It's, yes, they have their opponents have a combined winning percentage of five twenty-five. Green Bay's opponents have a combined winning percentage of five hundred. Hmm. Therefore, the actual postseason would be Seattle at Dallas. Bye, bye, Cowboys. Bye, bye. Yeah. Yep. Bye, bye. Minnesota at Green Bay. Wow, divisional rivalry. Bye-bye, Cousins. You won't like that. I'd go Green Bay, San Fran title game. I could see that. What would end up, yeah, what would end up happening in in the divisional round would be New Orleans and Green Bay, San Francisco, Seattle. San Fran, Seattle, actually, I would, I would give the, uh, Advantage to Seattle over San Francisco there because I would trust Russell Wilson more than I trust Jimmy Garoppolo. Same. Depending depending on where it was played, if if it's played in San Francisco, I would give the edge. Yeah, I'd give the edge to San Francisco simply because the um, I think Garoppolo would show out. I think you know this this receiving core would step up. Kittle would have a huge, a huge, would have to have a huge game. And I think Tevin Coleman would be healthy, 100% healthy by then. And he would, he would have, him, him and uh, Burrito would have a, a field day uh, doing a ground and pound against Bisco, uh, defense. Bisco, did you hear what I told them right before we started? Are you serious? Mm, don't think so. Real quick. Yeah, Two weeks, not next week, but the week after. The kickoff foregoes its usual usual format. We open with studs and duds, follow with I'm a survivor, then go to Are You Serious? And then it is the mid-season awards for the kickoff. Mm-hmm. So we not next hand- week, but the week after next. Yeah, we hand out our... MVP, our coach of the year, our most improved player, our comeback player of the year, our most surprising team, our most disappointing team, and we update our playoff predictions. Also, we update our college football four predictions, as well as Heisman Trophy winner and coach of the year in college football as well. That'll be in two weeks on the kickoff. Um, where can people find you online, Bisco? Uh, uh, on Twitter at Bisco underscore Gotham SN and on Facebook in different groups and whatnot. Jason, online, where you at? Uh, I'm at go fuck yourself, don't look me up. But on Twitter, you can find me at TurkaGlue822. And uh, we'll talk fantasy football since I can't get Bisco to do a show. Eric, so that way you can get out of here and go do your tutoring session. Where can people find you online? Tutoring session was actually rescheduled again at Squid Sportshead on Twitter. If you're nice to me or willing to go through screening process, I will be gladly add you to my dark Twitter. And yeah, don't even bother with Facebook because I posted for the first time in like a month on there. So it's, it's 
fruitless. Yeah, but it's a good way to start. It's damn near midnight. <laughs> I, you could say there's a lot of Marshawn lynching going on over there. <laughs> Man, remember I remember what I said. Remember yeah, what I said about suction. <laughs> yeah, Bisco, you need to listen to this show. It's going to be fun. You'll get a couple of good laughs. Oh, uh, uh, we're going to hell in a handbasket around here. I tell you what. All right. We don't have I, anybody to join us anymore because they all left. Yeah. After I said we're going to lynch Eric, yeah, everybody just kind of turned us, turned us out. You lynch the ones you care about after all. All right. Let's move on. Oh, God. <laughs> the exasperated Cypher Bisco says it all. H-E-B the Eagle on Yahoo. H-E-B the Eagle on on uh, Twitter, even though I barely use it. You can email me, H-E-B the Eagle at Yahoo.com, whatever. Um, in addition, you can find me on Facebook, Harry Broadhurst over there. Uh, we'll talk sports, wrestling, foot, uh, fantasy football. Much as it physically pains me to do so, I actually have to give credit to Brandon and Eric's boys in red. Manchester United held serve against Liverpool this past Sunday. <laughs> Pulling a 1-1 draw. They still and a blew a one nothing lead at the last minute. Bastard. And allowing, yes. City, allowing City to pick up two points on the Reds. Yeah, that, that was a real nice win streak you had there going. Damn shame that something happened to it. <laughs> All right, game's kicked off. I'm checking out. I genuinely hope the Washington Redactors beat Minnesota tonight, Eric. <laughs> Hey, I can still root for the Nationals. It won't phase me at all. Ah, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Of course, Brandon, as a Yankees fan, is enjoying what Washington is doing to Houston. Uh Uh-huh. All right, well, there is actually, there is an NFL game about to start here. We're recording this at about, we're finishing up here at about 8 o'clock on a Thursday night. So, Jason has already left. It's already kicked off. So for Jason Teasley, Brandon Biscoping, Eric Watkins, I'm Harry Broadhurst. This has been the kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network, Season 3, Episode 8. Here, in addition to listening on the W2Mnetwork.com, you can find us online at W2Mnet.com. And on all of your favorite podcast listening services, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox. Hey, Brandon, guess what? Spotify is here. And Jalen Ramsey is a dick. You're welcome, Not going to argue. Not argue. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next week here for episode nine of season three of The Kickoff here on the W2M Network.